There it is. Recording in progress. I've heard it so many times, but I can never remember exactly what she says. But her sweet, her sweet, soothing voice. Yeah, that sweet, robotic, sultry voice. Um, Holy moly, guys. Well, welcome back. Uh, We got a great episode. We got a dual episode. We got a collaboration. Um, A first time of mine might be a first time of his. Uh, We're going to do, you know, just collectively have a great have a great fucking time, man. So without further ado, uh, welcome back. Ricky, what's going on, man? Thank you very much, bro. It's nice to be back, dude. I mean, you were, uh, it's nice to do a collab. This is my first collab and it's nice to be back. I mean, you're, nope. one of my, you're one of my first guests, bro, back in sweatpants Saturday days, man, back in the old stoop. Dude. Yeah. I mean, going back to those days, um, I'm glad that you're getting back into it. We'll, we'll circle back around to that here, probably here in a little bit, but well, I mean, welcome to the On My Terms podcast, guys, and welcome to Silk Quarter Life Crisis. Yeah, Quarter Life Crisis, baby, right there. Here we go. Oh, shout out. Let's go. Look at you right over your shoulder. I need to get a logo over mine. I have every other logo imaginable but my own. That's where I throw the salt, baby. That's where I there, throw <laughs> Over the shoulder for show. For show. I feel it, man. Um, but hey, I mean, if you want, I mean, dude, it's late here in uh, Denver. I'm an hour ahead of you. So we're, we're getting a little bit later than I'm used to. I I'm typically an early riser. I see the sunrise and I see the sunset. Are you more of a, more of a night owl? I mean, I've always, my, my schedule has always like terrified people. So for the last, the last 10 years, my work schedule has primarily been starting at three o'clock in the morning. So I've always had this weird, I've seen a lot. So I was in the same boat. I would see the sunrise and the sunset always, but on weird terms, you know, I'd be in bed like eight or nine at night, you know, pre-kid. And then when I did have my kid, he went to bed like 839, wake up at three o'clock in the morning, go to work or be at work by three o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, mid shift, you're watching the sun come up. You live your life during the day while everybody's making their bag and then you see the sun go down. So I would, I guess I would say, I guess I would say night out. I mean, or both. I mean, I'm up during the day. I'm up during the night. Sure. It's always been crazy. That's wild, man. I, I don't know how you do it. I feel like my, my bones are getting creaky. My bones are getting achy. And if I stay up too late, I don't even have to be drinking. And if I'm up that early in the morning without a whole lot of sleep, man, I feel like I'm still, I got to I got to wake up. I need an extra cup of coffee. Like what drives you? What keeps you going? I mean, there's always like, when it came to it, it was, you know, there's, there's internal motivations and things like that, that makes you get out of bed, just like everybody else, whether it's friends or family or money and all that stuff. But right. I'm a huge believer in like the supremacy of the human body. Like if you do something for long enough and you get into that repetition, you know, you, your, your body will, your body will adapt. You know, I started a three in the morning shift when I was, you know, 20 years old, you know, so, okay. and then I was, you know, and it was always weird. I was bouncing for seven years. I was working for FedEx, which always operates in the middle of the night. Um, so I just kind of got into that repetition. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll keep 100. I'm bag hungry and I love to work. Like I don't have a ton of talents in my life, but sure. I'm a good worker. Like I could work a 10, 12, 13, 14 hour shift. You know, and fuck it up and and be good and go live my life the next day. So I mean, that's not really a talent, but it was something I enjoyed doing because I could do it successfully. So 
I mean, I think my body just got adapted, but what I will say is I don't recommend it to anybody. Like it comes in waves. It fucks you up emotionally, cognitively, sure. spiritually, physically, where you're going, you go through some wild ass roller coasters when you have to live your life, but you have to get up at two o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So you go to bed at 11 or 12 and then another day follows where you get fucked up and you, you know, for with life and you go to bed at midnight and then another day follows and all of a sudden you're on like six hours of sleep and 72 hours and I don't care who, it don't matter who you are. Like you could be the baddest right. fucker on Sesame Street. That shit'll, that shit'll really fuck with you. That's wild. If I were to run off six hours of sleep and 72 hours, especially with, you know, like you mentioned with, uh, with your job and hustling, busting your ass from the next place to the next place, you know, hucking boxes and this and that, like, I don't know. I couldn't do it. I mean, I mean we'll, we'll get into the job we'll sure. get into the job for sure. But like, I grew up watching it. So okay. when I was a youngster, that's where I was getting is, is like, where, like, where did it come from? I know you have like a severe motivation yeah. and a hustle drive. Like, was it ingrained in you? Like, where did it come from? So I think it was spectating and okay. then and then like really soaking in what I spectated. So when it comes to spectating, my dad growing up, he worked at grocery outlet. You know, there's all the trials and tribulations, whatever. He worked at grocery outlet and, and you know, he would do landscaping and he would do odd jobs here and there. He worked at the gas station, but he would always, you know, when we didn't have a car, he'd wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and walk his black ass to fucking grocery outlet work at eight, nine, 10 hour shift, walk back home, check in with the kids, you know, and then he would do, and then he would, you know, go to landscape and he didn't have no truck, no nothing. You know, he would walk like either get a buddy to give him a ride or walk his tools to where his job was and just leave his tools there and then yeah. come back. And he was just always over and over and over again. And, and I was just watching it and he was just exhausted. And my mother would, my mother would do very similar things as well. They were both two, three job type of cats. So spectating it, it seemed like the norm and you kind of, you know, everyone, for the most part, you look up to whoever your mentor is. And, and if it's your parents that you're watching, like in my world, that was normal. You know what I'm saying? That was something that sure. human, that's something that a human being does. It, it deserves no praise because that's just that's what you do. So spectating that and watching that, it seemed like the norm to me. It seemed like something that's not out of pocket or out of the realm of possibility. And then soaking in what I spectated, I was fucking terrified watching my dad at 50, 55, 60 years old working these type of shifts, you know? And so my internal motivation was I'm so, I'm so fucking scared to go back to what I was spectating and I never want to be in that situation. And my, you know, my father's a great father and so is my mother, but that's awesome. I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I never want to go back to that situation. I don't even want a taste of it. I'm not looking back. So, you know, when there, I do, I do believe you should get that seven, eight hours of sleep. Absolutely. But I was fortunate enough to be in a place where my body was capable of sleeping two, three, four hours a night. And I just tried to utilize those 20 hours that I was awake to try to get ahead, you know, and it's, and it's worked out for me. Like I said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anybody, but if you're in a sure. tough situation and, and you got to get it done, you, some people are built like that, you know, and, and I can't, I can't take homage to, it was a talent or anything. Like I said, I watched it my whole life. It was the norm. And then I was just like, fuck it. If I can get it in when I'm young, right. so I don't have to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 30 soon. So I'm like, Four hours of sleep, I, I'll keep 100. It's like, fuck that. 
You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm never trying to be in that realm no more. That's awesome, man. I, that's a story. I mean, we've talked many a times and I never had any idea. I mean, I'm jealous that you're not 30 yet either too. So that's, <laughs> that's uh that's a notch in your, in your belt on me for sure. But that's so, it's crazy to think, I mean, on the complete flip side, like I didn't, I didn't witness that so much as a kid, but I had, you know, similar hustle drive, but with what you're saying, it, the fact that what, what really stuck with me is like the extra hours in the day, you're like, okay, if I can wake up early and go to bed late, that gives me extra hours in the day to do so much extra things, whether it's get the bag, extra time with the family, be able to, you know, kick your feet up or whatever. At what point was there a a moment in your, in your life that kind of sparked that, that gusto that, Hey, let, we got the time. Let's go get it. Um, I think it was more calculated, you know? So, okay. And it really started when, when I was in college, I went to Humboldt state and I played football at Humboldt state and I was a bouncer and I was a package handler at FedEx. Now doing that, I was just young and having a good time. And I wanted some, I needed some beer and weed money. You know what I mean? So like, so yeah, you know, I would, I would, so I would go to school. I go to school from like eight to two. And then I do football from like two to like usually about six or seven, you know, and then I would take care of whatever I had to do for a couple hours. And then from nine to two in the morning, I would uh, bounce, you know, it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then I would go home two 30, I would crash but I was scared I didn't wake up. So I got my homie who would play football with me to work with me at FedEx because our sort started at 530 in the morning. So he would always come into my home. I left my fucking door unlocked. He would come into my home, wake me up at five o'clock. I put my shit on. We go and we hit our shift at 530. We'd finish at It was a quick it was a quick little side gig, 730. And then we go straight to school and we just repeat. So I kind of got used to that Damn. Um, in college. And it was just, you know, like. It's how no many sense. how many days a week was that? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Ooh, four days a week in college classes, football, the whole nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've Damn. always kind of I've had a fucking motor. You know, when I was in college, I was president of two clubs. I was president of SAC, which is Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Okay. And I was president of ADAP, Alcohol, Drug, and Abuse Prevention for HSU athletes, which is very ironic because I sold a little bit. I sold most of the athletes their weed. So I was like sitting at the table, like, yeah, no, we definitely should look over there. Yeah. No, you know, this is the word on the street, but I'm here to talk if you need me. Yeah. But so when I got it, that was just for fun. But when I, okay, you know, I got into a little trouble and I dropped out of school, you know, I dropped out of college and I went home and I was blessed enough to get a manager job at FedEx, but it was in South San Francisco. Now I'm, you know, 21, 22 years old you know, I can't afford to live in the city. So my family lived in Sonoma County, like Petaluma, Santa Rosa, all that. Yeah. 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 So really it was like, it was calculated. I had no car. Right. And my, my uh, work was in San Bruno, which is just South of South city. So it was really like, how can I accomplish taking this manager job and trying to start a career with no degree or nothing like that and make some money with, you know, the resources that I have. So this was, this was probably, a, you know, my, my best friend in the world, uh, Teo, he thought I was a psychopath because I lived with him for about a year. So what I had to do was I would wake up, I would wake up at like, uh, I would wake up at like 
six in the morning or seven in the morning. And I'd walk about, it was about a half mile, a little less than a mile to the bus stop. So this bus stop, I would get on the bus and I would take the bus from Roner Park all the way down to San Bruno. Jeez. Or I'm sorry, to a civic center, which is downtown San Francisco. Oh, just roughly like 70 miles. Yeah, that's not a short trip for anybody that doesn't have a compass or Google Maps up. Roner Park to Civic Center. Google that and realize like how far that shit is. Yeah. So then I would and that's like, you know, you got to stop at every stop. So that's, you know, that was it was a it was a three or four hour bus ride, something like that. So I would get off. uh, I would get off there and I'd get off around noon um, at the Civic Center and then I walk down to the BART. And then I'd get on the BART and I'd take the BART down to uh, San Bruno. And the building that I worked at was about half a mile away from the San Bruno BART station. So I'd walk to work. I'd get there about like two o'clock. And then I would work from two to 11. And then the last, uh, the last BART going back up to Civic Center left oh, at 1130. Man. So I'd walk up to the BART station. I'd catch BART. I'd get back at um, like 1230 to the civic center right by the Capitol in downtown San Francisco. And then the last bus, bro, the last bus was one o'clock in the morning that left the Capitol. Now the, the, the thing about public transportation, I didn't know is if you're the last oh, or the first bus, yeah, you have to stay on time. You have to sit. If you're early, you have to sit until the time is allotted. So I wouldn't get back to Roner park to like four 30 in the morning. And then I'd walk my black ass to my buddy's house climb onto the couch at like five o'clock in the morning and wake up like an hour and a half later and bus and take it back to the bus station. I would do that five days a week. And then Saturday, Sunday, I was a painter. And then I worked as a busser at a restaurant called graffiti that was owned by a good friend of mine. Um, So that was just, and then one, I did that for like almost a year and a half, you know, and then I stacked some dough and bought a car and things got a little easier and I continued to progress. But when I look, when I look back, you know, like you, the capabilities that I had in me, it makes the jobs going forward a, a lot easier. You know, I continue to reflect on that shit. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm not, I rarely, I mean, doing podcasts, like we don't get rendered speechless very often. I mean, that's a story that, you know, we've talked, like I said, we've talked, you never hear, we don't know a whole lot about each other's like past and stuff. So this is, this is something else, man. I, I don't, not enough people, especially in today's day and age, man, like everyone's like, okay, well, I got a job offer here. Maybe I can pin it against this person, pin it against that. And like, ah, oh, maybe unemployment. It's such a different, it's a different environment. And you were, you're definitely raised in that, like, you know, quote unquote, like that old school mentality. And yeah it's a whole different mentality that not enough people in my opinion have anymore these days. Like, and I don't speak on, I don't speak on that much. There's only like a handful of people in the world who know that sure. more after this podcast release, but yeah, the whole world's about to know this. The recommendation that I put out to people when I talk, you know, cause I'll, I'll coach kids and I work with, with kids is, you know, right. none, of that, none of that stuff, like that story, that's not for anybody. So, you know, a lot of people want to talk about their trials and tribulations and their adversities to kind of compare it. But like the things that I did there, that was, that shit was for me and the people around me. Right. And that's only for you to know. And if you keep that, you kind of hold that, that, in, that internal pride that you've tackled those tasks or went through those adversities or calculated how to navigate through life on a rough patch. And you keep those close to you. Then when they do come out, 
they're much more meaningful. You know what I mean? They, they mean a lot more, you know, so. 100%. Uh, so, you know, I don't speak on them too much because, because they, they were done for me. Like I wasn't doing that to impress nobody. I was doing that because I was like, this is the highest paying job I got. And I need a fucking car. Right. I can't be riding Caltrain. I can't be riding the fucking Golden Gate 101 route for the next. Ooh. Actually, I was riding it so much, dude. And I was on the 101 and that route. And that was such a hard time after I got this 101 tattoo. <laughs> Look yeah. at that. Cause I was on the go. It was the golden. It was the Golden Gate Transit, and the bus route was one hundred and one. My smart route was one hundred and one. You know, obviously, it's the oh. one down to San Francisco, down to the Civic Center. So right, it holds a special place, you know, for me. And then when it does come out, you know, I try to. Uh, it, it has to come out at the right time in the right place, and to sure. empower and to empower others. Because if you do go through things like that, you can be little people very quickly. You know, and, and it becomes a comparison game. But if you use adversities in your life to empower, you know, that right. the more you can do it, it's capable, you know, it's possible, then then that's that's what I like to to preach about shit that I did. That's funny because I, I, I love that you just said, you know, it's not about a comparison because right here in my notes, I wrote down everything that you were saying encapsulate, encapsulates, in my opinion, it's not about a comparison. It's about the outcome. Correct. It's from it's you know, it's not the journey or the, uh, you know, the destination or whatever, but it's, it's the mental drive, the mental capacity to say, Hey, I have a goal. I want to accomplish this. And this is what I need to do it. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not clean, but it's what, it's what the fuck I got to do to get to where I want to be. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, like you said, it's not something that you, you sell as a sob story. You don't sell it as like, Oh, woe is me. You just see it as like every day I went to work. I did this. I did that. And I did it to get to where I want to be. And that's so commendable because too many people take that same story and they, they just fucking ring it and ring it and tell everybody they know about it. And, Oh, what was me? I have to get up at 3 AM, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I did it to get out. I was doing that to fucking not do that. Right. So like, I don't, I don't try to look back at that. And like I said, if I do, I try to do it for good and to empower. Cause I don't want to, that, I don't want that ringing around in my head. You know, I want to, what I want ringing around in my head is, you know, when I got some extra cash or, you know, right. I'm only working one job or I got money to buy my kid this, you know, and then, and then, you know, you stay, you, you, you know, you don't get to see the foundation under the dirt of a house, but that's what holds it up. You know, and I think I think of things like that as that shit is embedded. Nobody needs to know it. All they need to do is look at the vessel that I am right now. You know, right. and if I can and if I can catapult or be a catalyst to someone's success because they're in a hard time and are, are, are doubting their capabilities, then you're like, hey, you know, you don't have to say, well, I did it. You can do it. You can really forge it as people can do this. People get through this. You know, it, you know, your your mind, body, and spirit can go a lot farther than you really fucking think. And a lot of times, yeah. it, you figure that out when you're in half two situations. You know, mm-hmm. one two people can go pretty far, but like those were half two situations. I was like, fuck, I got fucking bills to pay. I just got in some trouble. I got no fucking degree. I'm black, covered in tattoos. Like, you know, I'm not walking into no corporate offices or nothing like that. I got to use what I got, and it was my connections. Then I got a manager job and, you know, I, I was on a sprint for 10 years, 10 years. I was with FedEx, you know, and it's got me to where I'm at now. Well, and I don't want to say luckily, but I guess at, at the juncture of your life being at 20 years old versus getting a manager job, hustling, hustling, 
and then finding getting a manager job at like 50 and you've been sprinting, you know, for that 40, 50 to 60, 40 to 50, whatever right. 10 year period you, you ever want to put it. But I mean, at least you, you saw in your, I feel like you saw, you know, the, the picture at the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, where, Hey, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this now and I'm going to keep going because it's only going to go up from here. And like you said, it's not, I love that. It's not a want to situation. It's a have to situation. Right. And I think too many people are in a have to situation, but they want to do something about it and they're not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I hear people and no offense to these people, cause some people do great things with this mentality. They're like, sure. I don't want to do this cause I want to be this. And that's, and that isn't what I want to do. Like, you know, the world don't give a fuck what you want to do. Right. The things that you have to do to get what you want. Right. You know, and when people can kind of and and like I said, that doesn't work for everybody. I'm speaking really more on my own personal because there's a lot of things that I still want, but there's shit that I have to do right. to get that stuff done. And if you keep it a, a have to mentality, you know, uh, it's a lot easier to get your head off the pillow. Like I fucking I have to. I have to, you know, and and so so I mean, it works out. I mean, there's a lot of it's it's not all candies and rainbows. It wasn't a perfect, you know, steady incline, but. Um, you know, and I made a lot of mistakes on the way, but the, the continuous, the continuous hustle is something that I, I do pride myself in. Cause like I said, I'm a man of not a lot of talents, but I can work hard. That's for sure. And that, I mean, there's something to be said for that, man. My, my dad, much like, much like you were saying it, he's a man of extreme hard work and he developed a talent. I mean, my dad worked landscaping for 30 years. And he's not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but he's kind of ingenious in a way where if you have, you know, 10 pieces of PVC pipe and you don't want to make a run back to the store, he'll figure it out and, you know, MacGyver and like put it all together. And I inherited a little bit of that, which is cool. And that like that mindset, that mentality of like, okay, I only have A, B and C. How do we make this work? Right. And it's calculated. It's calculated. Right, exactly. And I think that's kind of in the same way, trying to relate back to you that, you know, you're dealt this hand. And so you got to play this hand. You're either going to, you're not going to fold it. I mean, you got to see what you're up against. Right. And, and just to reiterate, you know, it's far from a sob story, you know, like, was it, did I hundred percent? I didn't mean to like offend you. Like I didn't mean to like, okay. Just, I always like to make that clear where it's like, you know, it's not, it's not a sob story, you know, like, there, Some people I, just like try and turn it into one. Right. And I know so many people that are close to me that, you know, who, who truly, I, if, if I went through the things that they've gone through and I, I don't even know if I could survive. And I know that there's people out there who've gone down through 10 times worse than the people who I know, who, who I think their lives are absolutely crazy. So, sure. you know, I just kind of, I just kind of try to, you know, stay humble and, 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 you know, take my adversities uh, you know, I begin with the end in mind, you know what I mean? And try to, to turn them into a pot. It just thickens the skin, you know, sure. what I mean? and, uh, you know, you lose some things on the way. I think you become a little uh, more emotionless than you'd like. And, and, you know, you, you become a little more or cold, if you would, and your perspective yeah. becomes a little skewed. So there's definitely, there's definitely cons to getting through adversities, but, um, you know, as long as you can reflect back on them and, and try to stay in a, in a neutral ground, uh, you know, you, you'd be all right. Absolutely. I mean, I just started working from home since uh, almost a year now, man. And I feel like my personal 
conversation skills. I mean, it's one reason that I love doing this is because it keeps my like conversation skills somewhat sharp. You know, usually there's a little bit of, you know, a drink or something involved and it goes off the rails eventually, but (laughs) it's, it's one of those things that I don't have a lot of human interaction anymore. And I guess what I'm trying to, how I'm trying to relate it is like being a hermit, working, working from home, as great as it sounds, being a social person as I am, I mean, working all those hours and, you know, transportation wise and, you know, working two jobs sometimes and then football balancing all, you know, now a kid, like, do you think it secludes you too much or do you make a, a an effort enough? And if you do, like, how do you make an effort to like still stay awake and go out and be social? Well, I mean, I, I always, I always find time to have fun. You'll see my fat ass doing some karaoke, (laughs) you know, it's a couple drinks deep. Absolutely. You know, Um, I wasn't then like in the times we were talking about, but when you're always on the move like that, you know, like uh, you, you create your network in your, in your surroundings, you know, period, you know, it doesn't matter if I was on the beaten path, I was always creating my network. So a a lot of my, some of my good friends and loyal friends are, are part of FedEx. You know, I still know some people that I would, I still talk to some people through social media every once in a great while that I met on the BART. We're on the same route. You know, I still know my fucking bus driver, Kevin, who was um, oh, the transit awesome. 101. So, and, and I've been in nine different buildings on 13 different operations. So as I have this busy lifestyle and I'm constantly moving and constantly moving, the, like I said, there's pros and cons. So the con is that social interaction where it's like concerts and bars and shows and parties right. and mixers and hobbies, you know, like I don't have, you know, I don't have my Saturday guys that I go hoop with. I have my, my, my crew that works the Saturday morning shit. You know, those are my boys. You know okay. I mean? So I've just incorporated my network and I just embedded in my lifestyle. So I have my social friends that I meet at bars and stuff like that, but a vast majority of the people that, you know, like are my social interaction are, are they're they're aligned with my schedule, if you will. Yeah. I mean, you're a busy guy. I mean, uh, scheduling has to be super important for you. I mean, you gotta have everything lined up, you know, working at FedEx too, that, that, your schedule is just fucking crazy at FedEx, so so it is what it is. Okay. Um, I mean, you want to get into it a little bit, or you want to yeah, yeah. get going on it? I mean, now has been a. I mean, now is a very interesting time. Most people probably aren't too, haven't been too intrigued in in logistics and in the shipping industry because it wasn't yep. a big deal. But the last two the last two years, you know, bro, the shipping industry has become a. I don't even have an adjective for it, but it's not what it used to be. That's for sure. I mean, there's probably so many different ones from so many different scales, like a happy, sad, everything in between. Like there's, there's times where I get a package in two days and I'm stoked. And then there's times I get a package in two months and I'm like, Hey, whatever. Yeah. How? it's what's going on, man. Like it's, it's wild. I mean, it sounds stupid to ask what's going on when I feel no, like everybody no. knows, but it, 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 it's, it's legit, you know, it's, it's crazy legit to, to ask that question. Cause it is, it's wild. So, you know, the country had a certain amount of infrastructure to ship a certain amount of, of goods 
to businesses and homes and whatever the case may be through okay. multiple entities. You know, everybody knows your UPS and your DHL and your FedEx and your Amazon and all that stuff, but there's only so much infrastructure, right? When I'm talking about boats, planes, trucks, drivers, people, materials, canals, like, and, and these companies are absolutely experts at growing with the market demand. But when COVID hit, it was something that no one ever, ever expected, right? So when you have a, an entire economy and an entire country shut down and confined, you know, it was, it was really uh, to, the, to their walls, to their homes, but they still have to live their life. You know, that's one thing. But the biggest twist was that the income, right? So people yeah. went from full-time, part-time workers to part and part-time spenders to full-time spenders, but the income was still coming. So usually you can balance out the market because if you become a full-time spender, you're not working and making money. You know, oh, so that's economics 101, the supply, demand, you right. know, the, the curve. So it, with the boost, with the unemployment, with the stimmies and all that stuff, with the small sure. business, with the small business loans, people were still were still moving, right? So there was this massive, there's this massive influx. Now, a vast majority of a vast majority of people, surprisingly, they ship things to their storefronts. Okay. So you think about this, a Nike store, right? At a mall, at Metalwood Mall here in Reno, they'll okay. get, they'll get 150 boxes filled with each box has 10 pairs of shoes in it a day. Okay. Right? So what is that? 1,500 pairs of shoes a day right. to their storefront at Nike or Foot Locker or whatever. Now you shut the mall down, right? And you put people in their homes, but people, but they're still making money. They're still buying their kicks. So you sure. went from a you went from a driver delivering at one stop, right? 50 boxes or 150 boxes on a dolly to 1,500 separate different shoes being shipped out to individuals at their homes. Oh, so right. you're tenfold now. So you multiply that by all storefronts, restaurants, businesses, you know, so you think of uh, corporations like let's, I don't know exactly how they did it, but let's say Apple, for example, Apple has massive headquarters and they have big business buildings and skyscrapers in San Francisco, right? Right. They send all of their employees home, but there's still things that need to be had office supplies, whatever the case may be, uh, if, if they can't download it, some type of, uh, you know, literature that they have to send out, whatever the case may be, right? All those things that were going to one stop, one destination are now going to homes and addresses and things like that. So not only, not so. Oh man. Think, think about that with your regular influx. So I can just speak to the company that I was with we'd roughly get about 5 million pieces into the network a day that enter the network, right? Okay. And when I say network, I mean, they come into our system that within usually from three to five days, they'll be they'll land on a doorstep or a storefront. Okay, about 5 million new ones every single day. How much is in the system fluctuates. You could have anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 million in the network every day, just because there's that three to five day lag, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Now you take that. You take, I'm so intrigued. Sorry. Like I'm just zoned in right now. No, you're good. You take that number. So let's say you take your 10 million 
and we use a, let's say, you know, the, the Nike number was a good one. We went from one stop to 1500 stops. Let's lower it. And let's say one stop to a hundred stops just to be easy. So sure. You're 5 million pieces and you times 5 million by a hundred, right? You have 500 million, 500 million. <laughs> now, think about that. In so stop. stupid. Think about that in stops. Okay. So not only was that a massive change in the industry. Okay. That's a huge change in the industry, but what really threw everybody for a loop was our infrastructure. I don't think no one's infrastructure was ready for that. Nobody. I don't care how no. badass Jeff Bezos is. Amazon got their shit fucking pushed in. UPS got their shit pushed in. FedEx got their shit pushed in like a bad day on the yard. Every single one of them. Right. So you have that, but now, but now check this out. My sort that I was working on March, uh, or I came to a, an, an outbound. So we're in Reno and we're shipping out to all four corners of the country. On December, okay. on December 17th, 2018, 19, okay, 2019, we broke a building record on the outbound work, 339,000 pieces in a week. Okay, that's a lot of pieces. That's a lot of st- like a lot of pieces. It's a lot of stuff, man. From March 18th, 2020 to today, that sort has not run under 650,000 pieces in a week. Oh boy. So I can't do the math off the top of my head, but you use this algorithm of the stops breaking up and, and the amount of, uh, you know, how, how the workload has dispersed because everyone's at home and all the shops are closed. And now, you 2x the amount of volume that comes into the network. How many how many routes do you think you guys run off those 650,000 pieces? So so for mine it's it oh, I don't even know the number. So there's preload and there's outbound. Outbound I was okay. on for 2 years and we ship out to all four corners of the country. So okay. I was loading big truck to big truck, right? So Oh uh, okay, okay. But our preload in the morning, that's what I worked for 10 years at three o'clock in the morning. We load into the vans, the vans that you see go around and deliver to the homes and things like that. Sure. So if you work 25, if you work 25, 30,000 pieces, you're going to run roughly, I would say anywhere from three to 400 trucks. Jeez. And that's just 30,000 pieces. So then the preloads double. So you multiply that by 20, 30 to 40 becomes. Oh my goodness. So you figure 20 times 30, that's 600 trucks that you would technically. So 600 trucks over the week, if you would. Right. So, so you have, you have your two to 300 trucks in theory. Sure. In theory. theory, Right. So not only was there this massive distribution of workload where we're not, we're not taking large quantities of boxes to one location. Now we're taking low quantity boxes to many, many locations. Not only that, now you have the network that has increased 2X, right? And that's just that's just the company that I was at. So double the amount of goods are coming into the network. How the fuck these people are buying all this shit with an economy shutdown, still to this day is unbeknownst to me. Like I still don't understand. And I was running the operation. I'm like, where, where the fuck is this money coming from? I'm with you, man. I mean, unemployment was jacked up. I mean, people aren't driving, so there's no gas money that they're using. I mean, a lot of people quit too, and then throw in everything else. Keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
And then the third, the third strike of it was the staffing, right? So to double your staffing is one thing. To double your staffing in an economy that shut down, that the government is giving roughly $1,000 a week to people who are unemployed, what the fuck do you want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to come flip some boxes for eight hours and get your ass kicked for $19 an hour, which is a very high wage. It used to be. So, so all of those things combined, it just became, I mean, we, we handled it and, and things are still getting delivered and things like that, but it was truly, it was, it was a unique experience because one, you're looking at a fortune 500 company that doubled overnight. Not like not overnight. I would say in about 14 days, it's which is insane. Close, it, it has to be close to a hundred percent increase, right? Which God. is absolute insanity. And yeah. I worked at a lot of spots. I worked in nine different buildings and I was on 13 different operations. And when I got there, I was really at a point where, you know, I was pride falls. Like there's not a whole lot of things operationally. That's just going to, that's going to shake me. And for those, the, the, the last two years I was at FedEx, it was, it was absolute madness. You know, I was managing a roster of 450 human beings at peak times running a million pieces a week. Golly. Just, it was just absolute madness. Now, the thing that's very different than others is, you know, like we had it tough in the warehouse, but the drivers, the drivers are the one who has it tough. So you got to think if you're a driver, you got in your regular days, you got 350 pieces in your truck, and 120 stops. That's an eight-hour day. It's still a tough day. Driver is a tough-ass job. If anybody who hears this and you're not fucking dropping things off and giving your kudos and showing your love to your fucking drivers, like, fuck you. From me, pers- <laughs> from me personally, I know that you might not know, but that's one of the hardest jobs I've ever seen. I'd can rather- I, can yeah. I interrupt you real quick and extend that out to not only just like the people dropping off your packages, the people picking up your trash, the people that come deliver your mail, like all that, like at a young age, my grandmother used to leave two 12 packs for Christmas every year for the garbage guys. And then she would put a 12 pack behind the gate for the post for the postman that would come. It was the same guy for years. And she'd leave a 12 pack behind the, the gate for him. And, you know, I've, I've actually like carried on the tradition leaving, you know, a 12 pack out for the garbage guy. And, if I could, I don't know what the regulations are for, you know, a FedEx guy or an Amazon guy, but the way my lady orders from Amazon, I feel like I got to leave him a bottle of McAllen or something. Man, you got to, you got to, you got to show love to those cats because it went from, you know, it went from that, you know, I got 350 pieces, 120 stops. It's an eight hour day. Now they're walking into 400 pieces and 380 stops. <laughs> now you got to think you drive a P you drive a P 1000, you know, that's, you know, those trucks are, those trucks are looking at, you know, 10, 15 feet long in residential right. areas, you know, in places that they've never been before on a, on a fucking time crunch too. Getting and everyone's parking on the street. Now you can't even parallel park. You can't even pull up no more. You know, getting paid the same amount and all that stuff. So if you see them out there, you show, you show those cats love because the crazy thing is too, what we were expecting in the industry was this, we were expecting an increase. Were we expecting that big of an increase? Absolutely not. For a network of, for a network entrance of 5 million pieces a day to go to roughly 10 million pieces a day. Now, obviously these are approximated numbers is madness. That's like a five, that's like a five, 10 year plan, 
right? Not a two-week plan. God. On top, on top of the fact that we were expecting it to spike, not that much, but we were expecting the downhill. And still to this day, the numbers have sustained. They've just kept going up and up and up. Right. Like that because Cardi B song and up and it's up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. I think in my personal opinion, I think there's a lot of variables to consider when it comes to reason why the network has stayed the way that it is and why logistics has has become what it's become is because one, this happened at a very strange time when your baby boomers are right at the edge of retiring. So if you have a very large population, right, um, who's right on the cliff with their foot, one foot off the cliff to retirement, COVID for a lot of people pushed them off the edge, you know, well, fuck it. I'll retire a year early, two years early, three years early, five years early. Fuck it. I'll figure it out. Right. So then they're, they're, they're at home on top of the fact that everyone's out of, everyone's out of work and everyone had a good, you know, lockdown was for a good year. Right. There has been a massive cultural change in how we receive our goods. We have almost every single super uh, super center and shopping center doing pickups. We have storefronts doing pickups, deliveries, curbsides. Not only that, you have a Gen Z generation who's very savvy on the computer. You have millennials who are very savvy on the computer. And then you lock these baby boomers into their houses. And now this, this, entire, this entire population has had to culturally adapt and now you have people in their 50s and 60s and 70s savvy to the technology to deliver, to order online, to, to you know, put repetitive orders in. Like Chewy.com is killing the game. Chewy.com is like food shit for the, your animals. Guilty. Yeah. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but when you It's so them- nice. I tell you what, man. It's so nice to set it and forget it. And I don't have to, I, I don't so have to go to Petco. And granted, in Reno, I was down the street from Petco, or even when I was re- delivering off the truck, maybe I could sneak a, a bag of pet food, you know, making a delivery or whatnot. But I didn't have to go as far going from Stead down to McCarran. And now I don't have to worry about it all at it all. And it just so, right there. So wipe the slate clean. Fuck COVID. Fuck masks. Fuck the vaccines. All that sure. stuff. Erase it today. Who's going to go back? Not me. Not a va- not a large population, you know, because when you for, really certain, think, for some things for very minimal, though, because we would have these conversations all the time at work. There is an extremely small amount of things that are in your home right now that you need to survive that right. you to leave for. Like, let's let's name five. Um, I mean, essential things that I got, have to leave for or. Things that you to like live, you okay. have to leave your home for. And I'm not talking about like visiting with family. I'm not right. talking about things that you need. And what's in your home that's in your home that you can't get at your home? Uh, that I can't order online. Is that the is that the question? Yeah. Um, shit, man. I mean, alcohol is a tough one, but I mean, you have Drizzly if you're in a like a location that can deliver all that. I mean. If you want to go see a live event of sorts, you want to go to a concert, you want to go to a comedy show, you want to go like out to dinner. But I mean, those are watch. Those are socials, though. Yeah. I mean, essential. You can't bring those back into your home. There's really not. You can get couches, 
beds, refrigerators, appliances brought, installed. You can get everything that's in your room. You can get these mics. You can get a fucking toilet delivered to your house, shower curtains. Dude, I looked around here and I went, what can I, what do I have to go? And there was nothing. There's nothing in this room right now. There is nothing that I cannot order online or at least find something comparable online. Actually, I'm looking at like a, a binder of documents. So like a birth certificate or something like you can't go online and go get that or a social security card or a driver's license, but it's about damn near it, man. Really? I mean, and they're getting better at it. I just renewed my registration on my car online. Yeah, I have to go do that. Honestly, yeah. I'm doing that tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> so I really, so not only did it make life hell, but I do, it's, it's amazing to watch this cultural cultural shift right you know what i mean of of truly like uh, uh truly how much you can do in logistics now what was wild was you know whether they're true or not who fucking cares that's not what this podcast is about when they're spitting out numbers <laughs> millions of people dying and and this is happening it's just it's this pandemic and people are scared and people are anxious and they're losing their jobs and their lives are being ruined and and their, their loved ones are dying alone in hospitals and different things like that they didn't even bat a fucking eyelash or peep the word at a meeting. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm in some high level meetings of shutting down, not even, and I'm talking 450 employees in trucks that were all working together, moving one piece by one piece yep. interactions, a thousand people, employees in the building. They didn't even think about it. Not even, and no logistics because they couldn't afford to do it. Right. You know, like, it, I mean, it's been a while. It was a wild two years. Without speaking too much on the company itself, um, similar situation when I was in Reno. I not a day went by. It was, it was regular operations, operate as usual, and hey, it will. It was a we'll figure it out when we get there type of thing. And to nobody's fault. I mean, at the same time, we at that moment we're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to just. I mean, if we shut down, we have no paycheck. So at the same time, we're sitting there going, hey, we got to work. We got to go make it happen. Uh, what it, you know, we got to do what we got to do, right? And it, and to go full circle, I mean, I know the last two years have been very tough and very hard on a lot of people. And Absolutely. Companies, but the, the country was put into a, like what I saw firsthand being in logistics was the company was put into a half-to situation, you know? Like sure. we have... You know, we have ventilators, we have vaccines, we have pharmacies, we have grocery stores, we have, you know, medicines, we have, uh, you know, uh, like life alerts, we have like body utilities, braces, armbands, you know, things that people, people need and have become accustomed to. It's like, we can't shut down, period. We can't fail. And if we do fail, we have to, we have to fail minimal. Like on the smallest scale possible. We would walk in for literally 500 days straight, knowing today we are going to fail. What is brought to our doorstep, we will not complete. We will fail. We will not do it nearly as efficiently as we used to, not as productively. We're going to fail. Now, on the outside, and when I look, when I reflect on it, massive win. And, and, and I tip my hat to every entity. I'm not biased to one UPS, anyone who was shipping and anyone who's out in those trucks and anyone who's managing these warehouse and engineering and doing all this stuff, you know, they were put in a situation. Where there was no more roadmap. There was nobody to call. 
Right. It would grab the reaper, bitch, and cut that grass down yourself <sighs> because it was, you know, that's it. You're in fucking tall grass. Let's go. Let's get it. I mean, so, uh, it was it was a wild it was a wild two years. And I actually uh, no November November fifteenth, I uh, I ended my ten year sprint and I actually left FedEx. Oh what? Yeah, I was gonna bring that up on the podcast. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Um, that's what? I was able to. I was willing to, and that's why I wanted to really tip my hat to the company. You know, I like it. it yeah. Believe it was a big chapter in my life, but logistics still. Like, if you're ever thinking, if there's anyone out there thinking, like, man, you know, I don't really care what it is. I just want it to be stable. Just know that, you know, like Cuba's got it. Cuba's got to aim some fucking nukes at us again for them to even think about <laughs> shutting down the warehouse. I'll tell you that right now. It's so true. I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, I had a, a back question, backlog question going back with, you know, all the pieces and everything going in, going out. And not only were there so many outgoing packages, but so many companies welcomed returns. So you guys oh. were not only like you guys were almost coming back with half as many packages as you're outgoing with at that point. Right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, and, and it was huge because you can't like, mattresses you can't walk oh, in no you can't, you can't lay on a mattress you can't test the mattress so every single mattress company put a 90-day rebate oh or like a purple that has a hundred night guarantee fucking those purples are crazy i don't know how they suck those king size mattresses into those little ass purple bags bro but the but or a it, casper it's, it's like fun. a deflated sleeping bag that ju- it's like one of those uh life the rafts that just go poof on an airplane and also what's wild too what what people really need don't understand and would be tough to to understand if you're not in the industry is you know say what you want about the full whatever i don't give he's a piece of shit but trump was was always trump was always barking about how nothing's made up in here right right and and it was facts because what we saw was the docks and all these all these fucking goods when our network doubled we had to travel them at maximum distance because they all came in on the coast instead of manufacturing in Central America and going out and cutting the distance in half. So it was just wild. Like the amount of the amount of miles, I would love to see the amount of miles that that were uh, driven through these entities in the last two years because it would be it. there were there were literally times there were literally times where we would be on a call and I'm talking I'm talking with big wigs private jet motherfuckers okay and they're literally not like well we might or whatever it's like we have no more trucks all the trucks are full what we're like, like every sc- truck in the company scrounging inventories like i remember there was a good three-week period where we were calling chicago and having them truck empty fucking tr- empty trucks because I'm the only hub we could find with empty trucks because all the merchandise was so, there was just so much. And because with how quickly it came in, you can push it as much as you want. You can bring it into the network. You can have it sit there, but it's all about how quickly can you deliver it? So you increase your stop count tenfold, a hundredfold, your productivity plummets. So these drivers out there who are hustling, instead of having 150 stops and completing, they have 350 stops. So what they got done in nine hours, they get done in four hours now, or you know what I mean? Right. So it slows everything down. And if you can't pull it, 
then there's no point in pushing it. So that's how a lot of logistics operates. It's a push and pull method. Okay. It, we, they were pushing so much freight into the network because they weren't going to say no to it. No. But what company is going to say no to money? We couldn't pull it. So there's top, so so there's like little sprints. Oh, I got it in two days. We get a massive influx in your area. And it's like, what the fuck? It's, took me six days or seven days or 15 days or whatever the case may be, you know? So it was a, it was a wild two years and I became much more knowledgeable, uh, you know, just uh, politically, not like left or right, but just kind of how things work and, and um, you know, the laws and regulations and legislation that's put to, to really help our economy move. I become much more knowledgeable economically. Um, and, and it was a, it was a wild two years, man. And, and it was a fucking terrible two years, but it got me into a point now where now I, I, I run my own warehouse and it kind of groomed me for, for that, uh, that experience. And without that psycho ass thing that I could put on my resume, like, yeah, I moved a million pieces a week. I had fucking 450 employees. I promoted like 300 people in two years. Like then they're like, all right, yeah, come on over here. It's like, all right, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. My favorite part about that is you promoted, you said how many 350 employees? Uh, it's it's gotta be close to that. So like, I don't know. The, I don't know the number exactly. Sure, sure, sure. It doesn't have to be super no, so spot on. You, like, I don't know what the numbers are. I went in and I started with nine managers. Um, I walked away with 30 managers and each one of those managers were probably promoted two to three times from package, uh, package handler to trainer to part-time manager to full-time manager. So four times. Um, and then some people left the building on promotions and whatever the case may be. So, you know, it's in the hundreds, it might not be 300, maybe I'm overstepping my boundary there, but sure. <laughs> a, large, a large amount of, uh, you know, people that, you know, it was, it was a massive workforce that, and not me, I shouldn't say me. I was, sure. blessed, I was blessed with an amazing team around me and peer to peer training and the support that I had, cause I'm not training 450 people as for damn sure. Um, so, but those people, I had the opportunity to watch grow and, and, and promote. And, um, so it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy couple of years, man. That's, that's incredible. I mean, you, but you can't have that much growth, that much, that much success around you without having your, you know, your, your touch on that without having the ability to have, I'm sure somebody come talk to you or, you know, confide in you and, I mean, you, you seem like a great people person to be able to, and you shoot it straight. You're not going to tell somebody like, Hey, you, you know, rebel on the back. Be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be okay. And be like, what's your deal. All right. So I did always have my touch on it, but what I, what I have to say, and it's important to say that is, is a weird sentence, but my touch was other people's touching me. <laughs> I saw the hesitation. Yeah, you know what I mean? I but, saw the hesitation and it is warranted, but I, I get what you're saying. Like I was like, elaborate, said, like break it down. Like I know what you're saying, but. So, um, so I operated in nine different buildings, right? So, um, and that's just where I was stationed. I've been in probably 20 FedEx buildings. Now, every single building, uh, FedEx runs in a linear fashion. Policies and processes, rules and regulations are all the same. Really, the only and terminology and all that. Really, the only difference is is the size of the building and how the belts are laid out. Right. So it was very easy to transfer and promote to other buildings, and they would utilize the resources to send people like myself or other talented people or whatever the case may be to go and help out other buildings in need. But when you go to so many different places, um, I feel like in FedEx I traveled the world. I traveled the world of FedEx. 
And I got this massive education because there's all these different types of management. There's different types of styles. There's different types of people, populations, cultures, ethnicities, uh, beliefs. Um, there's different types of fatigue, whether you're 10 year or five year or brand new or young or old or, you know, old school or new school. And I saw good management, bad management. I saw good employees and bad employees. And I just got immersed in so many different varieties um, that I just became, I would say, when it comes to logistics, like culturally, culturally educated. So I got to see a lot of the good and I got to see a lot of the bad. And I was always very nosy. I would try to steal all the good and learn all the bad. So when I did get to a place, you know, um, I was just, I was, I would say like relatable or adaptable to situations because I don't just have one style. And I got that from all the people who brought me up and mentored me through this company and in life as well, people outside the company as well, moving from, you know, working in Fremont and San Bruno and Windsor and Reno and, you know, all these different places. And then, so when different people come up to you, different people that you're trying to groom and you're trying to grow and educate, management isn't a one-way street. So I was able to adapt accordingly to give the best product that I could to the people that I'm trying to develop, right? Sure. So, and and with that, this is a random thing, but leaving FedEx, I've, be, I've become obsessed with cultural ignorance and I've had this massive drive to want to travel and travel to different places in the States and out of States, especially now having a kid and and, you know, I was just, I was, I was, my parents did just well enough to be the poorest black kid in a white neighborhood, you know, so I wasn't moving around, <laughs> I wasn't moving around too much, but I got to kind of like in this little hyper circle of FedEx, I got to travel the world in my own way. And I've just become obsessed with meeting and, 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 and learning from all these different perspectives. So I've kind of fallen in love with this obsession of, of traveling the world and traveling the country and taking my son with me, but that was a little off topic, but yeah, I mean, so I no, kind of, I love to, it. Keep going. I kind of had a touch in it. Absolutely. But uh, you know, I, I have to get pay homage to, because I don't, I can honestly say like Ricky Sims doesn't have a style. I don't have a style, but I've stolen and replicated so many successful styles from other people who are better than me. Um, and I knew they were, so I just stole their shit. You know what I mean? Uh, and then tried to yep. trickle it into my, to my own surroundings and my own ecosystem. Anyone that has heard old sweatpants or even the new on my terms has heard me talk about me working in sales and we're thieves. All salesmen are thieves. We take what we like. We put our own spin on it. And like you said, we learn what not to do also. Right. We learn the bad stuff and we learn, okay, maybe, maybe we find a way to get away with it better than other people. But at the same time we learn, okay, no go. Like this, it, this shit is off limits. Like we, this isn't my style, Right. but in my last episode with my buddy, Andrew, we talked about the adaptability to conversate with so many different people and you brought up the diversity aspect and I, what i imagine fedex is a is a big melting pot a big diverse melting pot of all different walks of life different cultures different people and you have to know how to adapt more than maybe an office setting so to speak from uh religious from mm -hmm. cultural to what's I mean, going on at home you got to know what's going 
maybe a home life for this person and that person are completely different. You got to know how to relate and handle so many different people. You have to be a chameleon. Like when I was working in San Bruno, it was the, it was the biggest, perfect, perfect terminology. Yeah. It was the, it was the craziest thing. I would literally, I would walk into an office and I would sit with people who are six figures, corporate with degrees in engineering or management or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. But and never hugged home. a box, a box in their life. I'm sure. Well, at FedEx, it's unique. It's FedEx. It's unique. A vast majority, like our, okay. a vast majority of my higher ups are managing. And that's why I love the company. A vast majority of our, and I, it, I'm sure there's other companies like this, but I do know much of logistics is very similar um, because like, if you come in out of network and never done the groundwork, you, you're, you're dead because it don't matter how good you are an engineer. If you don't have your army to move the freight, you're done for it. Okay. But, I would sit at the office and, you know, these cats are degrees. These are some suit and tie cats who have just kind of, they were there, but they've lost what we call doc reality, right? They're, they're office guys now. Or in okay. What's doc reality. So doc reality is people who, um, who understand the operation. They understand how it moves because they were in it, but they've moved up to a point where they no longer have to have their boots on the ground. And over time, the industry evolves and they've kind of lost, like they're looking at sheets of paper, they're looking at numbers and engineering, and sometimes they lose sight of factoring in the reality of what goes on, you know, like sure, three people should be able to move this. Well, those three people are Tom, Sue, and Bob, and Bob has a gimp leg. Sue is an emotional head case, you know, and Tom has one fucking arm. You know what I mean? So like, that's, that's kind of like doc reality. Sure. I'd be sitting at these meetings and you do one thing. And then I'd walk right down to the dock in San Bruno and a vast majority of our um, um, employees are San Bruno, Hong and Crips and cats from Oakland, you know, lower class minorities, some rough riders. And you have to be able to turn it on and off because if you can't get the buy-in of your rough riders and your grunts, then you're never going to be able to please your suits and ties in the office. So if you can't play both sides of the field, you know, you gotta, it just doesn't work. So you become a, you become a chameleon and it's, and it's nice because almost a politician, huh? Yeah. But you stay grounded, you stay grounded, Sure. you know? So like, well, as I go into my interviews, uh, you know, one thing that I would always say is I would say, you know, I just want you guys to know I'm not tucking my shirt in. And what I meant by that was I'm always going to wear my Timberlands on the dock and my Carhartt pants and my bent build hat because I'm not going to walk out uh, onto the dock and be submerged in the people who make me successful and not look like them. Especially because the people part of the family and the people who look at me know, like I was in a trailer. Don't get it twisted. Any person that came up to me and said, you don't know, let me take my radio off. I'll see you in the trailer, you know? But with that comes, well, this motherfucker's doing it. You know what I mean? Like this guy's cusses like a pirate. You know, he were, he's in the trailers. He's also very good at engineering. He's kind of that politician. He's in the corporate rooms. He has good networking. People enjoy him and he's promoted. So then that opens up the, that opens up the spectrum of people believing that they can move up. And the most successful people in FedEx and in operations, especially in the shipping industry, are the ones who fucking shipped it. You know what I'm saying? So no, hundred percent. And when I said politician, I didn't mean it in like the bullshit poli- oh, political oh, terms we need, we, oh, we oh, meet oh, now, you, but you're right though. You're right. You gotta, you, 
you want to be the politician we all hope for, you know, the one that actually follows through on promises says, Hey, I'm going to do this for you. You do this for me. And, you know, we go hand in hand, but not the, Hey, I'm going to do this for you. And then, uh, you do this for me, but I'm not going to do this for you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And that's how some, that's what that's, those are the politicians that we call that lost doc reality. You know what I mean? The, the people that kind of, they forgot where they came from, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you that know, come I, up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and now, and I've incorporated that a lot, like in my new building, like I run my own warehouse now, but like my office, I don't have an office. My office is a table out on the dock. <laughs> That's so awesome on it. Like as somebody, I'm super old school in that mentality where like, I don't want my boss in an office. I want to feel, a have it feel approachable. So like I can go up, Hey, if I got a problem right then and there, boom. Yeah problem solved. Hey boss, like, what do we do? How do we do this? Okay, cool. Show me good. I'm, I'm good now. Like yeah. you don't have to give me a whole lecture. Just show me how to do it once. And I'm good. Like, don't hand me a pamphlet. Don't do, you know, a lot of these new age kind of managerial op- skills. Those office it's a little boys, different. Those office boys, we call them desktop jockeys. Oh dude. It's, <laughs> I, I can't, it's different, man. Being going from a truck that I was on in the trade, talking to people, like you said, from all walks of life, from here, from there, everywhere, going to an office job, it's changed me. And I'm hoping I told my boys that just uh, that they just came out and visited me that, you know, their trip was a huge like eye opener that I got to get back out there. I got to you know, shed the hermit shell and get back out there. So I think this is also something that's really motivating me, really pushing me to, you know, get back out there, make more connections and build those relationships a little bit higher, maybe a little bit tighter, you know, they're there. Uh, I mean, nobody can see this, but you know, they're here, but then they become here. And I think that's going to be, you know, vital moving forward. Yeah, we live in a world of networking, man. I mean, I can't I can't talk about a lot of my successes in life, uh, even though they're few and far in between because of the things that, you know, uh, that I solely did. You know, it's always been my network. It's who I know. It's, you know, your network is going to open the door. And, you know, it, it's it's the bad motherfuckers who kick the door open when they see that it's cracked, you know, and and so. Uh, networking is networking is key and you lose you know you lose talents you you lose savviness you lose awareness you lose reaction time when you yeah we're pack animals you know at the, at the end of the day it's in our blood it's in our dna and we thrive we thrive when we're when we're social and we're moving and you know if you do find yourself cooped um like a lot of people have a vast majority of people have you know there's i think a you know, and I'm not saying you, but I think a great, a big piece of the population will, will see that they've lost a lot of their talents. Like I have, you know, I have people come visit me from California, you know, California is not like COVID exists out here in Reno, but not really. It ain't Cali. Like we're out partying and nightclubs are open and bars are open and restaurants full capacity. And, you know, same thing here in Colorado, man, everything's open. Everything's wide open. Maybe you got to wear a mask, but you can just rip that off. It's like old school Reno. 
it's really like, you know, when you wear a mask in Reno, you wear it for five to 10 feet because you're walking from A to B somewhere and the you do door it to sit your ass down and yeah, and you do it out of respect to, you know, the companies sure. that, are, that are trying to stay open and stuff like that. And then, you know, if I'm in if I'm in a fucking hospital or if I'm around a lot of old people or whatever the case may be, my ass has a mask on, you know, sure. Um, but but like I have friends who come out from California and and I'm like it's all I'm it's like it's weird like I feel like I just picked somebody up I got got abducted you know and they're hella skittish on the real world like they're scared of everybody they're like seeing lights for the fucking first time you know like cars whipping by fast they're like you know what I mean like yeah you know like like a dog looking out the window it's interesting you know it's very very interesting so they're like their hands aren't calloused when it comes to the world you know like they're not using those talents anymore and what's weird is my buddies came out from Cali too. And where they're at is so different than what I hear and what I've experienced elsewhere in California. I went to, I went on a work trip for a week in LA and God, if I went from everywhere from um, Santa Maria all the way down to like Van Nuys and Venice and all that. I heard LA is nasty right now. Bro, it was bad when I was there, you know, six, seven months ago. I can't even imagine what it is now. Walking up and down Venice, it's you got tents, you got homeless people, you got needles, you got like meth pipes cracked out. And it's wild, man. It's so crazy. And, you know, I've heard stories about San Francisco. I haven't been in, in God, what was it? I think the last time I was in San Francisco was uh, 2014 for the Giants parade. Right. And, even then it was, it was getting wild. It was the wild West. San Francisco has always been crazy. Like a meth lab. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people weren't like shitting on the streets deliberately and like busting in Gucci and going through a whole like hoarding process. I mean, you had mission and it got a little ratchet and, but that was it. I mean, everything was more concentrated. You knew where to avoid everything was, it was kind of like the wire. Do you ever watch the wire? No, but but I know exactly what you're talking about because I spent a lot of time in the city. So you know they would they would have things like the Castro and right. the tender, and the tenderloin. They're like, yo, if you just stay in these fucking ten city blocks, we won't fuck with you. But now it's like see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy. And then I mean, you look at Reno. Reno is Reno's cracking. Like it's the yeah. same old, same old. As long as you're not driving through through the spaghetti uh, the spaghetti bowl at 7 30 in the morning or 4 30 yeah. in the afternoon you're good oh it's what is it tuesday is it tuesday uh when wednesday 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 dude wednesday it's 9 50 p.m dude i could slide down to midtown right now to be fucking cracking yeah guaranteed at, and it's what probably 30 degrees outside too and nobody gives a shit everyone's just happy to be out yeah it's it's nice i mean it's uh I do. I miss seeing my family and stuff like that. But, but to come full circle, it's just you know not only with the job and, and logistics and shipping in the world, it's been a it's been a very interesting evolution that we've yeah. seen over the last two years, man. You know what I mean? Just seeing how people react, seeing. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Have like friends have changed opinions on certain things, and maybe not friends, but uh, people in, you know, not the immediate circle, but the outside circle that you go, Oh, I didn't know you were like that. Or oh, I didn't know you realize you're so opinionated. Um, I, people used to be a little bit more in the closet, not in like, you know, not in that old sense, but just 
everything is so much more prevalent and I feel like people are speaking out so much more. Like, have you, I mean, it's kind of off topic topic, but have you like experienced kind of a little bit more like uh, vocalism and like kind of, you know what I mean? I don't know where I'm going. You know where I'm going with no, this, but I, like, I know exactly where you're going. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm going to keep it 100 with you on your podcast because I fuck with you. And I know you won't judge me. Never. But I think, uh, I think over the last two years, we have a massive epidemic that people, there is, we've grayed out the line between opinion and fact. And I think that that's happened agree. because. I love that people can speak out and people are braver to speak out more. But with that, I believe the con is the last two years you can speak out and someone won't punch you in the fucking mouth. And when I don't mean like physically all the time, but you're speaking in your own bubble with no return and you can choose whether to listen or not listen to the return. But, you know, back in the day, it was like, you, you, you if you're speaking on something, whether it's, confrontational or not confrontational, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to engage in conversation where you're going to hear a different perspective. You're going to hear some different information. You're going to banter and talk through problems or, or maybe both parties of a conversation don't quite understand. And you try to get to the bottom of it. And then you hit Google together and you're just talking things out and then it trails off into other conversations. Right. But because, you know, regular, regular human interaction doesn't always end in a period. But right now it is. And people are able to voice out and just stop and stop it right there. I said what I said and I'm out. Right. I just like that. I just like that term because it's very interesting. You're much braver and you don't have to think you don't have to bring critical thinking to the table if you're not worried about being confronted. And when I say confronted, I mean being spoken to. Sure. Or or physically or even physically. Right. At a point. Sure. No, I'm with you. Um, try to cover your ass here for a minute, but let's go full, let's go full on (laughs) But for real to, to protect, you know, your, uh, and, and with no fear of your counterpart. Right. So, which is very interesting to me, you know, like I'm very, I'm very opinionated human being, but anyone who knows me very closely, um, unless I'm very versed on the topic, I keep my fucking shit to myself. And unless I believe it's the right time and the right place and, if I do bring up something that I'm opinionated about and there's a possibility that there's an opposing opinion or an agreeing opinion, I need to be sure that this is going to be constructive. Right. You know, and, and there is no, there is no critical thinking to that. Right. There's no, there's almost like there's no, there's no pullback before you fire the gun. You know, that shit's just always loaded. You know, you don't boom, think boom, about boom, it. Boom. Yeah. And I think that there's pros and cons to that. So don't think that I'm like, you know, like very on one side of that, but that is something that I I have noticed and where I come from in my upbringing is like, there are things that you say at one volume and there's things that you say at another volume and it has nothing to do with politics or anything like that or religion. It has to do with, you might run into a motherfucker that a is having a bad day and two don't like what you just said. And three will blast you. And probably knows more about the situation than you do. And will make you look like a fool, you know, because, you know, that's why that's why I like, 
You know, like I love, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Gary V and Gary V always talks okay. about, being, uh, he always talks about choose education over entertainment and do 10 to 15 hours on a topic before you speak out on it. And I've just fallen in love with that. Cause it's like, can you critically think, do you understand another side of a perspective? Can you have a constructive, can you argue constructively with a conversation and rebuttal your opinions if someone rebuttals you and that makes for education period. You know, like some of the, I've learned, I've learned my, some of my best life lessons and some of the most critical knowledge I have in my life through losing an argument and having arguments, but they're constructive. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, nothing will humble you more than being proven wrong, factually incorrect. Then you go, Oh damn. Cause there's no way out. There's no way to justify your position and i mean much i'm sure you had the same thing you know the boys back in the day you had to come with it you had to come hard whether you had to to be able to hang and talk shit and if something came out you better be able to back up what you said how you said it and who you said it to and if you can't someone's going to come back harder faster stronger and then you got to be able to quit back and right. then you got to be able to top that. And then you got it. It's an escalation game and not even in just like talking shit. But if you had, you were having a discussion or a debate, you got to be able to come with it. And also we approach, we approach critical conversations and arguments and disagreements in such a shit fucking manner. Oh, it's so true. Like, I'll use it like this. You play in a football game, Travis versus Ricky and Travis wins the football game 14 to seven. Travis okay. is the better football team. You win. You're better. But that's not how arguments, that's not how critical conversation is. If me and Travis are in an argument, okay, and I think something is a fact and you think something is a fact, and it turns out you were right, and I learned that this fact is correct because we had this argument, we're literally both the exact same now. We have the same amount of information. We're both as equally as knowledgeable now, and I learned something. Right. Yeah, I took an L, cool. But like, I don't walk away as I'm not as good as Travis. I walk away with, I literally know, I know just as much as Travis. Taking that L isn't a negative thing. Spin it into a positive. What a shit, what a shit approach. Right. It's critical conversations and arguments. What a shit approach. And it drives me crazy because that's why I love doing the podcast. When my guests would come on, I'm like, who the fuck knows more about a topic than me? That's who I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to no, I don't want to bring nobody on about logistics. I'll run circles around you. Teach me something. You know <laughs> what I mean? The whole point of this thing, man, is, you know, the whole on my terms is it, it's talking to people about it. It's talking about pe- two people about their specialty and why they're so good at what they do and how did they get there? Right. It's not like they woke up one morning and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. Or, Hey, I'm, you know, I am what I am today because I woke up yesterday. Right. Yeah. It takes time and it takes effort. It takes work and it takes a fuck load of just drive and motivation. And you know what, man, I, I wasn't feeling super motivated when I started this whole podcast, you know, going solo and whatnot, like, but I made sure that I had somebody lined up and was talking to somebody and I felt terrible. Honestly, man, it broke my fucking heart to cancel on you. I never cancel on anyone ever. And I was so sick. I was coughing 
up a lung Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to hear, (coughs) you know, for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. So, uh, I I'm right there with you, man. So it, it's about a conversation. It's about learning something and having an open mind to be able to accept the information and let it permeate, let it sit in your brain for a minute before you just have a knee jerk reaction and say, no, that's wrong. No, that's not right. Fuck you. I don't like what you're saying on principle, not even factually. You know what I mean? Right. And, and also like, I'll go to push and pull, push and pull method. It works in conversations. You know, there's a lot of times where not just weightlifting. I completely disagree with a human being, but I will let them rant on and I will not tell my side because there are times when, yeah, I need to soak up this information. Do I believe it? No, but it doesn't change the fact that some things that people say are factual or are true to their perspective or or are enlightening, right? And this isn't for an argument. This is purely educational. And like we were saying, stealing, like, thank you for this. Yeah. Thank you for this. And by the way, side note, um, I knew it was going to be all good when you canceled, bro, just just because of our history, bro, because I know you were going solo and we were kind of getting back on the ball together. So, you know, you always got my support. So no matter what happens, I'm always coming back on the show. You'll be on Quarter Life Crisis soon as well. So, you know, you, you always got that. You always got that collab with me for sure. I appreciate it, man. And like I said, I felt terrible. I I don't cancel. I'm not the person that ever bails. I'm never late. I'm the person that shows I'm the first person to the party. I'm the most annoying person. I'm the first person to get there and the last person to leave. So I'm the most, I'm a fun time if you invite me, but just know I'm going to be there the whole damn time. But um, I appreciate the kind words, man. That's super nice of you and super supportive. And I can't, I can't thank you enough. Um, You've always supported you know, everything that I've done, everything that, you know, Vince and I did, um, you know, shout out to Vince. We love you. Appreciate you, yeah. man. Appreciate um, it. and you always have a spot here. I appreciate you, you know, saying that I, I have a spot always on uh, your podcast as well. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, do you want, like- where do you want to keep going or are you trying to wrap this up or what are you thinking, man? I, I know you got, you got a baby over there, not a baby, but you got, well- you got your son. Fuck, what are we on an hour and a half now? Yeah, something like that. I yeah, it's already dude, it's eleven o'clock here. So ten o'clock That's, there. Um I said we I said we cut and then okay. we can just uh would you know maybe in a couple of weeks we don't have to release it immediately or whatever. Let's just we could get back on and you know and uh I was kind of hoping this would come out next Monday. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, Monday, for real. This Monday coming up, 17? yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude, this this Monday coming up, man. I, I I'll even send it to you. You can. Uh, I don't think we have anything to edit. I my last episode was the most heavily episode I've ever had to kind of go in for, but with good reason. But right. there's, dude, there are some things that. Uh, also, also on a side note, um, you know, I'm going to be doing my episodes, but there's, and I'm just throwing that out there. Don't make a decision now. Just put it on your back. I'm not sure what you're doing over there, but. You know, I'm, I've really been trying to get into the works of having like a, uh, like a short show within my show that's consistent with someone. And I like that you're starting to do this remote zoom, Okay. you know, so, uh, I'm in. you know, something that's like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we, you know, we could brainstorm on like a topic, whether it be current events or just, you know, kind of like Jude, Travis, like sport, whatever the case may be, yeah. that just something that's consistent, little, little hits. 
you know, and just keeps keep yeah. the YouTube, keep the YouTube flowing, you know what I mean? And just something to always keep me fresh on the mic. Cause sometimes I'll fucking record eight podcasts in 10 days. And then I fucking, Ooh. and then I won't record for like th- two months. Cause I don't need to. That's wild. I, the most I've done three in a week, but dude, eight and 10 days. That's insane. Oh yeah, dude. I just have, just have people just slide to the crib one after the other, dude. That's crazy. I, yeah. I think I, I like the, sometimes I'll do two in a week and then I have a little bit of backlog and then I can do two the next week. And so, I mean, consistently what I try to do is, you know, release on Monday and every week, just boom, 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 go and go. But you know how to find me, man. You let yeah, me know, cool. you give me 20 minutes notice. I'm, I'm there. I'm fucking there. You let me know, man. I I'd be more than happy to be any part of what you got going on. Uh, you're a good dude. You're a solid person. You're a great human. And I appreciate, you know, all the time that you're giving me and I'd love to give any time I can back. Dude, that's, that's love, man. And thank you so much for reaching out, bros. When I saw you, when I saw you hit me up in that message, I'm like, immediately i was like Fuck <laughs> this. i didn't even get through the rest of the message it was like hey man i'm starting back Dude, up i was thinking you gotta, I was stop. Like, you gotta stop that means too, I was that like, means yes, too much dog. that means I'm too blowing much you up. <laughs> i appreciate it bro uh do so thank you so much we'll we'll wrap it up on that i mean it's all love and continuous love so um ricky i can't thank you enough for you know taking some time out here and coming on and explaining kind of the whole Dude, it's a like I said, I learned I can't even I'm going to have to l- run this whole thing back and wrap my rhyme. Dude, I'm so tired at this point. Uh, I, I have to wrap my whole mind around everything we just talked about because it made sense in my head as you were explaining it. But I don't know if it's something that I could explain to somebody else. So I got to listen to it back a couple of times and then. You know, it's going to help me moving forward in my career and my, you know, aspects of business and sales and whatnot. So like we said, man, we're going to, I'm going to steal it, put my, uh, put my stamp on it and make it my own. So, um, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate yeah. It. Ricky, if thank I you. Just, uh, if I could just do a little plug, make sure. Yeah. You know. No, yeah. I was just getting into that. Say, say your stuff, um, plug everything, what you got going on. I wish we would have done this in, in the beginning. I hate doing it at the end. I might even like cut this and put it at the beginning. So if you want to start fresh, um, go for it, man. The floor is yours. Yeah. yeah check me out on my show, Quarter Life Crisis. It's on all the platforms. The, the main one that's hitting right now is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, you know, hit that like, subscribe, do the whole nine, check out the episodes. It's informational and some drunk banter with the homies. And there's one on there with Sweatpants Saturday. So check that out. But yeah, come check out my show. Just getting into dropping. So I'll drop a... Um, when this comes out, it'll be the 17th. So go backlog. I'll have a quarter life crisis episode that drops on the 15th and just be looking out for us. We're, I'm going to be out on YouTube now, getting the ball rolling again. Took a couple months off to strengthen my skills and, and, uh, I'm, and I'm back. Big shout out to Travis. So thanks for having me out, bro. You're welcome. Anytime, man. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. I mean, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours, man. There's so much going on. You're a good dude. You're a good person. And Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, We'll wrap it up here. This is the On My Terms podcast with Mr. Ricky Sims, Podcast Poppy, Quarter Life Crisis. This is On My Terms podcast with Travis McAfee and Ricky Sims. Have a good night, y'all. See ya.